Ladies and gentlemen, men and women, children of all ages, you're about to experience the opportunity to get in on the conversation. So do me a favor, join the conversation as you're about to step into the world of conversations about dot, dot, dot. I hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to another fun-packed, filled episode of Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. My name is Will Holland. I'm the host of the show. And what this would be normally a solo show where I would talk about different things, but I get the honor and opportunity to interview Miss Shelley Lombard, also known as the owner and operator of Millie Money, uh, which is where she's most known, not only through her website, but her business that she does through helping people to learn about financial independence and things like that. So, uh, Shelly, would you please introduce yourself to the people? Sure. I'm Shelly Lombard. Um, I launched Millie Money a few um, a few months ago. And just a little bit about, about way of introduction. I'm originally from New Orleans, grew up there. Uh, my family, they were teachers. And so we really didn't know anything about Wall Street. That was not the topic of conversation at the dinner table. Yeah. Um, you know, and so uh, finance and that kind of stuff was just not something we talked about. Um, I uh, majored in journalism, undergrad, and uh, wanted to be a reporter. And after uh, graduating from college, I went back home to New Orleans, no reporting jobs to be had. So I became a writer and I wrote for, I was the employee communications person for a manufacturer that manufactured industrial laundry equipment. So I did like the employee newsletter and speeches and stuff and talk about like the doll, you know, it was a lot of, you know, who won the bowling tournament and, you know, the recipes and that kind of stuff. And I thought if I do this much longer, I'm just going to shoot myself. <laughs> so uh-huh. even though I was a journalism major undergrad, I took a couple of business courses. I took accounting, I took econ, and I actually liked them a lot. I was pretty good at it. I'm not good at calculus kind of math, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, just kind of like out there kind of math, but accounting, and adding up dollars that I can do and that I like. Okay. So after about five years of being a writer in this job that I really hated, um, I got a hold of a book called The 50 Best Companies in America to Work For. And one of them was an investment bank. And they talked about the kind of money that you could make. And I was kind of just struggling to get by. And I thought, this sounds good to me. So I decided to go back to graduate school, get my MBA. I got into Columbia and wanted to go to Wall Street. And it was a lot harder. It was more than a notion, as we say in the South. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had no business background at all. And most of the people in the MBA program had worked on Wall Street for a couple of years and then gone back to get their MBA. Uh, I had taken one accounting and one econ course. But other than that, it was just it, it all of it was new to me. And I was just lost. Um, and so I really struggled. I was used to being an A student, but at Columbia, I was really, I really had to kill myself to be a B student. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I did that, got my degree and came out and uh, had a little tougher time finding a job than most people. But I landed at Citibank doing leverage buyouts. And that was my introduction to Wall Street and finance. And I absolutely just loved it. I loved working on big deals. I loved working on stuff that would pop up in the Wall Street Journal. 
I didn't even mind the hours. You know, my uh, deals got announced on my birthday, so there was no celebration, no dinner with friends. You just work. I worked weekends, et cetera. But I really <laughs> loved the work that I was doing. And uh, that was kind of the start of my, my career on Wall Street. Okay, you know, they say there's an old expression out there that says that if you enjoy what you're doing when you're at work, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I, I hear that passion in your voice when you're talking about how you loved it and enjoyed that type of world and got on Wall Street and different things like that. So I appreciate that. Now, one of the things we do do on the podcast is we do talk geek. I don't know if there's anything in particular that you geek out about, or if there's any TV shows or movies or things like that that you enjoy. I'd just be curious to ask you about that at this time. Yeah, I'm a geek about procedural, um, like detective procedurals. I love being able to solve it before they solve it on the show. So I watch mm-hmm. pretty much all of them. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a geek about that. And those are the same kind of books I read. I love reading stuff where I have to figure it out. And I guess the similarity, the similarities to finance is that, you know, when you're doing a financial model or you're trying to figure out whether you would buy this stock or not, it's a little bit like a puzzle and you're a little bit, a mm-hmm. little bit like a detective because you're digging for clues. Is management smart? Is management doing what they need to do? You know, say it's a travel company and we're in the midst of, you know, the coronavirus, you know, problem. You know, if this is a, a airline, what are they doing to, you know, kind of mitigate the problem for the company? Yeah. And so uh, a lot of finance and what I ended up doing, uh, the part of finance that I like is really digging into something and trying to figure out, um, you know, what's going on and should I buy this stock? Uh, you know, when I started out, mm-hmm. it was should I do this leverage buyout? Because given the the projections, the revenue projections that I see, is this company going to be able to pay the debt that's associated with the leverage buyout? But for me, a lot I like digging into stuff and looking at a mm-hmm. stock for the first time and trying to decide whether you want to buy it or not. Has a little bit of a detective element to it. I love playing around with the numbers. Um, you know, so yeah, I think that's where my love for you know detective mysteries. Uh, not anything gory, but just something like really, you know, really geeky. Okay. So, Ms. Lombard, you know, you mentioned travel and things like that. I work in the travel industry. I work uh, as a, um, not a travel specialist, not a travel agent. We are, um, I work with American Express. Okay. And so we, we set up trips and different things like that. But then recently, with everything going on with the coronavirus, of course, there have been a lot of airlines we've had to deal with. In some cases, they've responded really quickly and been able to work with us. In other cases, not so easily. So, of course, we've had a lot of different things going on there. And so part of the reason why I wanted to have you on and part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you uh, was just, like I said, I feel like uh, I know a lot of our viewers, you know, we tend to do more to geek things and stuff like that. But something I wanted to talk with you about uh, is primarily just trying to get to a place where you're financially better than you are, not working you know, not, you know, if you're working a nine to five, there's no problem. And I appreciate the grind, but to set up something for the future, to be able to put something away, you know, to be able to invest some money, make your money, make money for you and things like that. Trying to learn how to do that. Right. So, you know, there's a saying, I think what Warren Buffett said that if you don't figure out how to make money while you sleep, you're going to be working till you die. So that's the concept behind passive income. It's the income that you can create 
uh, but you don't have to show up to do it. You don't have to punch a clock. You don't have to show up. Even people who have side hustles, you know, if you're a social media consultant or, you know, whatever you're doing is your side hustle, you got to show up. And so the whole idea behind passive income is to be able to create income that comes in while you sleep. And the stock market is a good way of doing that. Um, you know, a couple of things I would recommend, and we talk about these on uh, on uh, on Instagram, we're Millie underscore money. Um, and on you know, the website is MillieMoney.com, M-I-L-L-E money.com. But we talk about this a little bit. You know, this generation has the benefit of some really cool apps that you can use to jumpstart your investing life. So, and I'll get back to the concept of passive income in a minute. Um, you know, there's Acorns, which is an app that you tie into your bank account and you can set aside as little as $5 a week. Um, they also do this really cool thing, which is really helpful. My daughter discovered it and, you know, I found a lot of millennials are doing it and I started doing it, is called Roundup. And and, you know, if you go out and buy lunch and it's, you know, $10.59, they will round up the other 41 cents. You get charged 11, but that 41 cents goes into your Acorns account. And those little pennies accumulate a lot faster than you think. You know, I know me, most mm -hmm. of it ends up like in the console of my, my car, you know, where you just put your spare change there, but, uh, or at the bottom of my handbag, but those pennies, like my daughter said, mom, this adds up much faster than I think. Um, and so that's a way on a very small budget. And I know a lot of millennials and outside is really aimed at millennials, but anybody can use the information. A lot of millennials really struggle with student loans, underemployment, et cetera. And this is a real small way to just get into the habit of investing. The other thing I would say is, you know, I, I call it the three-legged stool. So people want to talk about investing, but before you do that, you want to make sure you have an emergency fund. And the emergency fund, and I know that sounds not half as sexy as investing in the stock market, but you want to have an emergency fund because if you start investing in the stock market first, and then there's some kind of emergency, you get laid off, your car breaks down, et cetera, you don't want to have to, like today is a day, you didn't want to have to pull your money out of the market today in order to like pay your rent or, you know, get your car fixed. So you want that if mm -hmm. you have a blog post on the site about just how many months you should have. It really depends on kind of work you do, how long you've been working, whether there's unemployed, decent unemployment in your state, etc. Um, so get that emergency fund. The second thing is you want to start investing in your retirement fund. That's the first place you want to start investing. And by the way, your emergency money shouldn't be in the stock market. That should be in a treasury fund. And we talk about that on the site. The second thing is get started on your retirement money. You need to develop that discipline of putting money aside because you know my parents were teachers they had pensions um and then they retired and got jobs that contributed to social security and they were comfortable most of us these days do not have a pension we contribute to a 401k who knows whether social security will even be around you know when some of us retire so the question is we mm -hmm. basically have to do it for ourselves. One of the things we say on our site is you've got to be your own money hero. So start contributing to your 401k. If you're self-employed, you want a you know an IRA that you set up yourself. Um, but that comes before generating any passive income. But if you got those two things down, Pat, you know, you got the emergency fund set aside, you got the retirement, then you want to start, you know, uh, generating passive income. And you can do that in one of two ways. You can open a non-retirement 
um, a non-retirement account. And that's the same place you would go to open an IRA. That's a Fidelity. That's a Vanguard. That's a Schwab. You can open one of those and just put the money in mutual funds and let somebody else make the investing decisions for you. And one of the things we have on our site is kind of what we refer to as the money dictionary. So we have videos mm -hmm. on all the different types of funds. So when you either start your 401k or open your IRA, or you put money in a non-retirement account, you can look on our site. If it says blue chip fund, we tell you what a blue chip fund is. It's a two minute video with people who look like normal people, you know, not talking heads from Wall Street, but people who look like normal mm -hmm. people. They're all, you know, they're diverse, different gender, etc. And we'll tell you what an index fund is, what an ETF is, all they explain we explain all of that and if you see something on your list of 401k options or your IRA options and you don't understand what it is email us we'll do a video on it so you can either generate passive income a mutual fund is just people investing mutually and what you do is you pick mm -hmm. the style of investing and then the professional investment manager picks the specific stocks. So if you, you know, decide you want to, you know, put your money in a large cap fund, the investment manager will pick, pick the large cap uh, mutual fund ETFs that you're, you that, you know, the, the fund actually invests in. The other thing is a do it yourself, which a lot of people find really sexy and interesting, which is to buy stocks yourself. And so you can go on, uh, instead of opening, you know, a non-retirement account at a Fidelity or Schwab or Vanguard, you can go on to, uh, some of the many mobile trading apps that are available these days. Um, there's Robinhood, there's Doe, there's M1, there's Stash, there's Stock stockpile. Um, and what you do is you can just buy stocks directly. Uh, a couple of months ago, I bought before I got out of bed in the morning, I bought a few. So they're really easy. You link it to your bank account, you can move money and it doesn't just come out of your bank account. You have to, you know, make a conscious decision to move the money into the app, you move the money into the app, mm -hmm. and then you can, you know, you can just buy stocks. Um, so those are two ways, either non retirement account, the reason I say non retirement account is if you open an IRA or even with your 401k you can't take that money out until you're 59 and a half if you do you not only have to pay the tax on it you have to pay a penalty so you want non-passive mm -hmm. income you want a non-retirement account that you can either put into mutual funds or ETFs and let somebody else make the investment decisions or you can get one of these mobile trading apps and buy stocks directly yourself. But that way you can start building uh, passive income. And I'll just say one other thing and then hand you back your mic. Um, you know, I bought like, for example, Home Depot stock about five, seven years ago, maybe. It was like $45 a share, something like that. Before the market crashed recently, it was like 230 something dollars a share. I think it's still over $200 a share, maybe right 200. Mm -hmm. I made probably $15,000 on that. That's income that I have to work wow. for. I didn't have to show up anywhere. I didn't have to do anything. I just bought it and basically forgot it. So we're talking about mm -hmm. day trading because I don't have time for that. Quite frankly, even though I do this for a living, <laughs> I don't want to be I don't want to be chained to a computer all day long. Um, we're not talking about right. penny stocks. We're talking about good quality companies where you can sleep like a baby at night. You buy it and even in this kind of market, you're comfortable that it's going to come back, especially if you don't need the money anytime soon. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, first of all, Shelley, wow.
that's a lot of information, and I'm glad you're bringing that to the table. I greatly appreciate that. Now, not only from the educational standpoint, but more importantly, just from the grassroots and the fact that we can go to a place like millimillie.com and learn about these different things. I know like earlier when you were throwing out different terms, I was like, okay, I have no <laughs> idea what that means. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Oh, wait, there's a website that'll tell me what that means? Okay, that works. At least then I can go and find out what an IRA is or different things like that. So that's really interesting and really cool. So, Shelly, we're going to take a break real quick. We're going to go ahead and roll out into one. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about different fears that people have of investing in and kind of how to overcome those. So thanks a lot, everybody, for rocking with us so far on this. I appreciate you greatly. You have no idea how much you, each, each listener means to me as far as just being able to take the time to listen to what, we, what we're talking about. So I'm glad you're joining in on the conversation. And after these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back like the Dow Jones. We're always there. So we greatly appreciate you rocking with us. Uh, this is Miss Shelley Lombard, and she's been telling us about all sorts of interesting things as it relates to ways of helping create income so that we become financially free and financially dependent, independent. And so I um, really want to let her kind of share with us a little bit about some fears that people have as far as investing, making investments and things like that, and then some ways to overcome those fears because one of the things about it is not just about knowledge, but it's about making decisions. I know um, I was talking with a friend of mine earlier concerning the WWE is that kind of a weird spot. I'm a big wrestling fan. And so because Tampa came out and said basically, hey, we're not going to hold any large events in Tampa because we've got people here that have come down with the coronavirus. They've been infected with it. We don't need a bunch of people showing up to this area. And so WWE, you know, Vince McMahon, who owns WWE, of course, was there at the deal, but he never came out and said, like, okay, yeah, we're going to shut it down. We're not going to do the event. And so basically they came back and said, okay, you've got a week to make a decision. And then we're going to come back and intervene, basically. If you don't make a decision what the, what you're going to do, we're basically going to tell you what you're going to do as City of Tampa representatives. Because with the stadium that they've got for WrestleMania, it's like 70,000 people can fit in that thing. Of course, you've already got a travel ban from Europe coming into the country that will go into effect tomorrow. So it'll go into effect on Friday the the 13th, actually. And so that'll go into effect at that point. And so then at that point, for at least the next 30 days, people traveling from European countries will not be able to travel to the United States. And this event goes off in like three weeks. And so, you know, he's kind of – it's kind of an interesting position uh, as far as that goes. From a financial standpoint, you have to look at not only the effect it has on him as a businessman, but you have to look at it from the standpoint of the money that would have been brought into Tampa due to this. But you have to also look at the safety factor. You know, you have to deal with the fact you've got to keep people safe. You know, you, you can't run the risk of having people come in and possibly infected, and you can't run the risk of people that are there that are infected possibly infecting people coming in. So from an economical standpoint, I understand how that affects the city. I understand how it affects the people that are involved, not only the WWE, but also just other minor league companies that are coming in to piggyback off that event during the course of the week. I mean, you've got like Hall of Fame ceremony. You've got the NXT shows. You've got all the different shows that independent promotions are coming in from all over the place as well. So it's just interesting when you think about the business aspect and the money 
that cities make or don't make based off a situation like this. I know even, you know, as we're dealing with investment stuff, it's like you think about it, it's just like, man, you know, this stuff is really going to affect the economy for a while. And so with people looking at these options and thinking about it beyond just the day-to-day, you know, thinking toward the future, you know, what are some fears that people have about investing and what are yeah, some so things that we can do to overcome investing can be scary because you're out of control. You know, it's, um, you've put your money into something and, you know, disaster, you know, you don't know. So I, I totally get that. Um, people's biggest fear is that they're going to buy a bunch of stock and it's going to be worthless. One of the things I will say is, um, you know, if you buy, um, take a thousand dollars and buy new clothes or buy a new phone or a, a tablet or something three to five years from now, yeah, probably a year from now, but you know, certainly three years from now, that's going to be worthless. Um, but we don't hesitate to do that. You know, we we can mm-hmm. see it and we can touch it. There's a funny line from Sex in the City where I think one of the characters says, I like my money in my closet where I can keep an eye on it. <laughs> Which is like ridiculous when you think about it, but that's why it's funny. But, you know, with we right. always put money into things that we know in our, and, you know, we know intellectually, we may not acknowledge it at the time, but we know intellectually it's going to be worthless in three to five years. Stocks are one of the few things that you can buy that have has a good chance of being worth more five years from now than it is worth now. So I, like, for example, this Christmas, I usually get my son, he's like 22, but he still likes video games. I usually buy him a bunch of video games, et cetera. And this year I said, I am not buying any of that. I'm uh, opening a mobile trading account for each one of you. I have two kids and I'm buying you some stocks. And that's what I did. Now, of course, everything's down from when it when I bought it, you know, kind of December, January, but it's a good lesson for them. They are young. They, you know, this is passive income. So it's not even like retirement income, but even if it was retirement, you know, if you're 25, you're not going to need this money for at least 40 years. So, you know, this, this thought that, oh, if I right. buy a stock, it'll end up worthless. Look, my specialty over the years when I was in, um, while I was on Wall Street became companies that were in financial distress. But the, the, the time when your stock becomes worthless is when a company goes into bankruptcy. The average default rates in this country are in the single digits for corporations. They just don't default like that. So the chances of the stock may not do well, mm-hmm. but chances are, you know, the stock is probably, if you pick good, solid companies, the stock is going to go up. And it's one of the few things where you can turn around in five years and go, oh, this is worth more than it was when I put it in. And there are very few things you can say that about maybe real estate, but most of us aren't able to like flip houses on a dime, you know, the down payment is just a much bigger spend than most of us have. But with stocks, it's one of those things where you can put five hundred mm-hmm. thousand dollars in and three years from now, chances are it'll be worth more. This market is very scary, but in history, the market has um, 
typically recovered, not typically, historically, has always recovered from a downturn. It takes about, I think the average is about 18 months. But if you had, had put money in, in the last downturn, call it 2008, within five years, you would have doubled your money. So you really, um, history and history does not mean it's going to happen like that exactly in the future, but you have a much better chance of, mm -hmm. of your money being worth more in five years than it's worth now if you buy stocks than if you do something else with that money. Um, so I think you know, we kind of need to, it's hard, but you need to get over the fear of it. And I think, again, we're not talking about day trading or penny stocks, anything like that. We're talking about investing in, you know, we're talking about the apples of the world. We're talking about the Coca-Colas of the world, the Procter and Gambles of the world. The, um, you know, th those are the kind of companies we're talking about. Even uh, the kind of new companies, the newer, you know, kind of emerging companies that are still big, but the Facebooks of the world, the Netflixes of the world. You know, those are the kinds of companies that we're talking about. And if you buy those kind of stocks, chances are they're going to be worth more in five years than they're worth now. So I think that fear, that's something that's a hurdle. I think, and you can buy on um, on uh, Robinhood as little as one share. So I gave my kids like, you know, $500 and they bought a couple of shares. So, you know, my son likes Lululemon because Lululemon makes a menswear line, athletic, and he it's it's actually really sharp. Um, so he bought one share of Lululemon. He's got one mm -hmm. share, I think, of Disney and one share of, you know, Starbucks or something like that. And my daughter has, a, so start small. And then that way, you know, if you put 500 in and the market does, which is unprecedented, what we're going through now, haven't seen that, you know, in the last 11 years, you know, you do that and the market like you know tanks on you you know it's not like you're not going to be able to pay your rent if your your investment has gone down from five hundred dollars to you know four hundred dollars you know it's not but get started like that and that will help you get over your fear mm -hmm. okay okay so and i don't know uh my knowledge of stock market is very limited. I remember in high school, my junior year for my economy class, we did the stock market game. We basically took a six-week period and we invested in stock. Of course, we had, you know, this fake money that they were able to put in the system and they basically determined, you know, some people diversified. For me, I don't know why. I chose LA <laughs> Gear. That kind of dates me a bit. Uh, back when LA Gear was a company. And so uh, LA Gear was competing with Nike. At the time. So, of course, most of the other people that were big shoe heads were like, oh, you're going to invest at Nike. You're gonna, you got to invest at Nike. And I'm like, well, I like right. LA gear. Like, I like the shoe. It's more affordable. It's more standard common man shoe. You know, it doesn't cost you $300 a pair. You know, you can get a pair I of LA gears at Walmart for less than 50 If I'm not mistaken, uh, Shortly after the Michael Jackson ad came out, there was a period, and I'm sure there's more to the history. I could Wikipedia it if I really wanted to know exactly what happened. Uh, and so for a bit period, the spike shot through the roof. Well, then, of course, the first allegations came out about him. And so when those allegations came out, people were like, well, if you've got him supporting your brand, we don't support you. And so slowly, like I said, I'm not going to say that's the defining thing that ended up knocking him out of contention. 
but eventually right. they just went down. Yeah, they just I'm, went bankrupt. I'm, I'm I believe. Googling them as we as we speak. Um, it looks like they're still around, and they got yeah bought by somebody. But that doesn't mean the stock oh, really? didn't get wiped out. Um, so yeah. So what I would say is, you know, yeah. even now if you're looking at stocks, I would say you want to look at look. Fashion is hard. And so, you know, my son has Lululemon. They've been around, I don't know, 10 years now, 15 years, something like that. He wanted that. And so I wanted to give him something that he could relate to and he would be interested in. So we did. But, you know, I think mm -hmm. if you are looking in this market to I think you want to look at companies that, you know, are going to be around five years from now, because that should be your holding period. Look, Warren Buffett is the most famous investor of our time, and he takes a 20 to 30 year outlook. So he probably would not have done L.A. gear. He might not have even done Nike, but he's doing he calls Apple the best company he's in the world. He thinks Apple is fabulous. Uh, he has a big stake in Apple, though he sold some recently when it got you know pretty expensive. But he has like a 20 year time horizon. Most of us don't, you know, he does this full time and he's, you know, a genius at this. So most of us don't have that kind of, you know, time and expertise where we're going to look out and say, oh, I don't mind owning this for 20 years. That's not our time frame. But I think you look at stocks, you want to say, how long has this company been around? And am I comfortable they're going to be around and making money and successful five years from now? So that's the kind of stock that you want to buy in this downturn. And look, everything out there is cheaper than it was. I had been looking at Starbucks. Starbucks is cheaper than it was back last fall. I had been in the stock um, it kind of went sideways and by sideways, I mean, it didn't do anything. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to sell this and move on. And then it just shot up. They started expanding all over the world. They get, they're getting hammered because they're expanding into China. And so, you know, everything in China is at a standstill because of coronavirus. But comfortable, Starbucks is going to be here five years. Right. Made this as a buying opportunity and you know try to get involved in Starbucks because it's cheaper than it was last year when I was looking at it and kicking myself for not buying it. So you know talking about companies that you know you have it's hard on LA gear and I understand why as a teenager who wore their clothes that you would be interested in it. But the kind of stuff you want to pick up now is the kind of stuff, you know, the Procter and Gambles of the world, if you're really risk adverse, you know, they're making diapers and they're making soap powder, you know, and they've been making it for a hundred years, you know, that's the kind of stuff you want to pick up, but also, right. you know, I don't think, I think most people think, don't think, you know, Starbucks is going anywhere. Facebook is going anywhere. You know what I mean? Um, those are the kind of companies that, you know, millennials may want to get involved in because they use those products probably more so than baby boomers. So, you know, what you buy is really mm -hmm. critical. And I definitely will fool around with, you know, stocks that are out of the mainstream. But, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, I can I know how to value a stock. I know how to listen to the earnings call and figure out what management is talking about. But if you're new to it, you don't want that kind of risk, the LA gear kind of fashion risk. Want is like I said, you want the kinds of right. companies that have been around for the last 50, 100 years, and you can look yourself five years from now and go, Yeah, I think these guys are going to be around. So that's the kind of stuff that you want to look, look for when you do your investing, even in this market, because this is an opportunity to pick up companies cheap that you know were not cheap, you know, just last fall. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Starbucks. I know they just recently came out and put out a uh, put out some information concerning that they were uh, they were actually doing a thing where I believe they're giving yeah. minimum two weeks off uh, due to issues. If you're if you if you're not feeling well, right. basically, where it's going to be paid time off for a minimum of two weeks, which is an interesting business concept. I, I know I was thinking about that. I was just like. You know, if Starbucks can do something like that, where are these other major corporate? Like, why is Starbucks the first one that's coming out and saying we're right. going to do what we can to help offset this, so that you know we can help quarantine ourselves? That way, we're not getting yeah. our customers you know sick. What? That way, our workers aren't getting the, sick. The stock got hammered because of that. You know, what's really impacting you know stocks is because it's a couple of things. But one is that you know people realize companies are going to make a lot less money this year than they made last year. Starbucks is a good example. You know, they've closed all their stores in China. I don't know if they were in Italy, but they definitely closed all their stores in China. Their expenses are going to go up because while they're paying those employees, you know, that for that two weeks off, they're not making any money. Those stores are closed. So you know, people are looking at this right. and people are concerned. I think the market is also concerned that the consumer will pull back and we will go into a recession. So not only when coronavirus is over and everybody's well again, that the economy will slip into the doldrums. But again, you know, if you have the Warren Buffett mindset, what he said was, you know what, coronavirus, I'm not going to worry about. I'm thinking about 20 or 30 years out, not, you know, one year out or six months out. And I think that's the mindset we have to have. And again, Mm -hmm. Starbucks has gotten hammered. Um, The one thing I would say is if you decide you want to go in and do something like a Starbucks or a Facebook or Disney, Disney's gotten hammered as well because you're talking about theme parks. Well, they're closed down. Nobody's going to theme parks, you know, but Disney has a great, great Mm -hmm. growth engine in its new streaming service. So my son, who's 22 and could, you know, probably care less about Disney, was all excited because we got a free year of Disney, you know, so he's recapturing his childhood looking. you know um but that's gotten hammered as well but you know i guess i would say that um you know if you if you those are kinds of companies disney's been around for for a long time and when it comes back it'll come back nicely i think what you need to do though is if you decide you want to buy disney or starbucks or facebook or or netflix what you want to do is buy a few shares every month that's called dollar cost averaging. So I decided to go out and buy a couple of shares of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. It's down since I bought it. You know, I bought it in January, February, and the market first started to create, I guess, February, and it's down since then. But I'm not worried. Not only do I plan to hold it for a while, like I held, you know, Home Depot, but also I'm going to buy a few shares every month. That's called dollar cost averaging. And in other words, in the bear market, where the market keeps going down, down, Mm -hmm. and down, you're not supposed to try to time the market and pick the bottom. What you're supposed to do is dollar cost average. So you pick a stock or pick a couple of stocks and you buy a few shares of that stock every month. So if it goes down, your average price is still probably lower than it was when you first got in. So that's a wise thing to do. Not say, oh, I like Exxon Mm -hmm. and, you know, oil... Russia and Saudi Arabia fighting and oil prices are going to crater. So I'm going to buy Exxon and I'm going to buy it all now. No, 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 no. What you do is say, I want to, I don't mind having a thousand dollars exposure to Exxon. And so I'm going to buy a little bit, you know, every month. 
And that way, if the market keeps going down, my I'll capture mm-hmm. some of that because the second month I buy it, it'll be cheaper than the first month I buy it. One of the things I want to mention that makes sense, you know, a lot of stocks right. are expensive. So Apple is not a cheap stock. I think it's still over 200 bucks a share. Amazon was close to $2,000 a share. It's another one that I own that I bought like like $1,300. It got up to close to $2,100 a share. Now it's down. But um, I think it's either Stockpile or Stash. One of those mobile trading apps, and I think Robinhood is starting to do it now, is um, they allow you to buy a part of a share. So they will take your money and put it with somebody else's, and you can buy, I'm not sure how small a portion you can buy, but you can buy part of a share. So, you know, Amazon is an expensive stock. I don't own a lot of shares, but I own some. But, you know, if you are interested in Amazon, but, you know, you can't afford $2,000 to buy just one share, or I guess maybe down to $1,700, $1,800 now, these right. new mobile trading apps will allow you to buy part of a share. Hmm. Okay. All right. And, and, and again, just, wow. It's, it's interesting to hear somebody who's not only knowledgeable about it, but more importantly, like I said, is very passionate about it to the point where, you know, you would go and you would, you know, buy stocks, shares or your stocks for your children. So that way they could understand how this works. And then they have the option if they want to invest more into it, that they can. And then they have mom at home yeah, who can help yeah, them I'm, do uh, that. That's really awesome you know, and, and again, cool. I didn't come from that kind of family. You know, um, I not at all. My parents were school teachers, so we didn't do this at home. This is all the stuff that I've learned. And the reason I started Millie Money is because people would always ask me, you know, like, should I buy Tesla stock? Should I buy this? You know, and so our site is set up to help you make some decisions for yourselves. So right now we have a lot of the videos. So if you have a 401k or you're opening an IRA, the videos will tell you all about, they just hand you a list of fund options. And so the videos will tell you what all those different things mean. Um, Again, what an index fund is, what a a large cap fund is, what a treasury bond fund is, et cetera. We have a video that explains the difference between a stock and a bond because most people don't understand that. So we have a very straightforward video um, you know, done by uh, a comedian. I mean, he's you know, kind of funny. And so, I mean, he's funny, funny as a comedian. This topic doesn't lend itself to being <laughs> hysterical, but he makes it as lively as possible. And so, um, right. you know, so we have that. But our next step is to offer um, you know, insights or interviews, basically, with stock analysts and who will give you the, the what we call the bear case, like, should I buy Twitter? No, you shouldn't. And then somebody else who tells you, yes, you should. So you can make your own decision. So that's the next iteration of our website. So right now it's purely education. And then next we're going to go kind of like a CNBC for millennials. And so again, we're not going to cover every stock because we just don't have that capacity. CNBC doesn't even cover every stock in the universe, but we're going to probably pick, you know, the most popular 20, you know, the Teslas, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the stuff that millennials are interested in. And, you know, based on my contacts and what I've done on Wall Street, what I'm hoping to do is be able to get people who will come on and just give us the five minute reason why you should buy Twitter and the five minute reason why you shouldn't buy Twitter. And you can listen and make your own decision. The last thing we're adding is some courses. Uh, We're going to do what's called a beta test. It's going to be a really low cost course, probably, you know, $10 or less. And uh, we just want to see 
Uh, my specialty, in, in addition to understanding this, is also teaching this. So since I've kind of retired from Wall Street, I do a lot of teaching. Um, I teach executive in the executive ed program at, at the Columbia MBA program, the Wharton MBA program, UNC Chapel Hill. And so I've learned, I guess teaching was in my genes because of my parents, how to explain really complex concepts in a, <laughs> in a simple way. Um, I also train some of the new hires that the investment banks and banks on, on Wall Street hire every summer. And so uh, what we're hoping to do is put together a beta test. Of course, it'll be very low cost, but I, what I want is feedback from people. So I want people to take it. Um, you know, it's going to be just a few dollars, but what I want is feedback so that people who are unfamiliar with the market can take the course and say, yes, this was helpful. I did, or no, I didn't understand this. You need to explain that in a different way. So, you know, if you go on our site and you, you know, subscribe, you'll get an email when the course comes out and hopefully it'll be soon because we just have a lot of interest on people who do realize that this is an opportunity right now, this market it's an opportunity, especially for millennials. Boomers, it's not an opportunity for us because we're looking at our retirement savings and they're evaporating. You know, so hopefully if you don't need it for 10 years, you're fine. But if I'm a millennial, this is prime shopping time for me. And so I want to educate people so they can be in a position to do that shopping. Okay. All right. Well, and maybe what we can do is we can, you know, we can talk off the record about maybe doing some sort of commercial where we can promote, you know, the class that you're going to be doing as well for you and put it into the podcast here. That way people can listen to it and be reminded of it. That way, if anybody that's listening to this is interested, then they can get on there. They can yes, take that course that and then you great. can get some of that feedback that you're wanting. So, you know, anything we can do to help our guests, you know, to, to get out there, get the word out there for what they're doing as well is very important to us here at Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. And so we want to kind of roll out of here and roll into the next segment. And the next segment, we're going to be talking about uh, the importance of passive income, what that looks like, what it is, because, you know, uh, Shelly was nice enough to mention that that was an issue that you needed to, you know, look into once you've gotten the emergency funds, once you've gotten the other things set up, you want to begin to look at building passive income. And so we want to let her tell us a little bit about how to do that when we come back. So after these messages, we'll, we'll be right back. All right, listen, everybody, do me a quick favor. When you get done listening to this episode of Conversations About Dot, 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 do me a favor, go check out Mythos Podcast, done by the Rascal Brothers themselves. They get into geek stuff with them and their friends, and they talk about a lot of geek things. They talk about anime, Star Wars, you name it. They're going to talk about it. After that, do me a favor and check out the Crafting Cosplayers Podcast, where she talks not only Xena, but she talks geek stuff as well. So go check both of those out for me. Those are some awesome podcasts that you need to check out. And... Thank you so much for continuing to rock with us here at Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. And go check those podcasts out as well. Thank you so much. And I'm sure they'll appreciate it as well if you follow them up. Take care. And we're back. We're here ready to go into another fun subject. We're here to talk about what it means to set up passive income. For those of you who are interested in that kind of thing, to be able to have the income that you need to where you can basically make money while you sleep. 
So, uh, Miss Lombard, if you would mind, please uh, fill us in on that. Let us yeah, let so, us know um, how we can work with do that kind of thing. As I mentioned, who's done some videos, some of our videos, and you'll see him if you go on our website. And you know, he just makes them. He doesn't make it funny, although he is very funny. He doesn't make them funny, but he makes them at least entertaining and interesting more than just a talking suit off the television. And he was saying, you know, why do I need retirement income? I don't never want to retire. I love what I'm doing. I'm an actor. I'm a comedian. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to do this till I drop. But when I talked about passive income, he kind of got it because he was like, look, I don't need retirement. You know, he's young. So, you know, he, he probably needs it more than he thinks. But, you know, he, you know, I don't need retirement income. I'm going to have a studio right. like Tyler Perry and I'm going to, you know, and that's going to be my retirement. I'm like, yeah, cool. But even so, right now, you still start to need to start creating some passive income for yourself because at some point you're going to need money to initially start that passive, you know, start that, um, that, you know, that studio that you want, maybe some business stuff that you want to do you know there may be something where you decide right. you know what i want to be a, a buy a piece of rental property so you know if i had had more money in home depot and it had maybe gotten 30 grand instead of 15 grand that would have been you know my my down payment on a piece of rental property so passive income is the income that you generate as i said that you don't have to do anything for so home depot was one you know amazon was something uh jp morgan when it was doing well it's traded with the rest of the market and probably more so because bank stocks don't do well when interest rates are low. Um, but all of those things, as they were going up, that constituted passive income for me. And they will come back. I'm comfortable with that and I'm comfortable holding them. JP Morgan's a great company. You know, I'm comfortable with the, the you know, the Home Depots and the Amazons of the world that I own. And so when those go up, um, you know, don't unlike retirement income where you don't want to touch that for 30 or you know, 40 years. You know, if you put some either um, the mutual funds and e or ETFs, and we explain both of those things on the on uh, Millie Money site, if you, you have that. You don't, you can't touch it till 59 and a half or else you have to pay a penalty and you have to pay the income tax. So it's a double whammy on it if you touch it before 59 and a half. But the passive income is the income that you want to put in the non-retirement mm -hmm. account. And if you really don't want to be bothered, get yourself some funds, some mutual funds, some exchange traded funds, also called ETFs, and just put it in there and let somebody else make the investment decisions. But if you want to do something kind of fun, that's when you open a mobile trading account. And again, that's not something where you have to say, oh, I'm not going to touch this for 30 years. You can take that out. You can take that out for a vacation. That can pay for a vacation. That can be a down payment on a piece of rental property. That could be a down payment on your business, etc. So now is a good time to jump in either to a mutual fund or an ETF or, uh, you know, uh, directly buying stocks if you're so inclined. And then in two or three years, you know, if this um, if this downturn acts like every single one, every single one we've had in the past, it's gone up within 18 months after and you people have made a lot of money. So think of it like buying distressed real estate when just real estate was distressed back in 07, 08. People who did that made a bundle and this is the same thing except you don't have to fix any toilets you don't have to paint any walls you don't have to do anything so you know um you know educate yourself buy some mm -hmm. stocks that you know you're comfortable holding that the company's going to be around it's not very trendy so to speak um so it'll be around look nike plays on the trends but they're not trendy you know what i mean so it's kind of like they they you know they 
obviously try to exploit the trends or set the trends, but it's not trendy. It's been around for a while. Nice, solid company. So you want to get some stocks in nice, solid that will recover nicely when coronavirus is all over and, you know, the economy recovers if the economy should, should go down. And that will be your passive income. And that's the kind of stuff that you could take out at any time. So that Home Depot, I didn't take it out. It's still in there because I still like the company. But yeah, I could have taken out 15000 last year. Um, you know, and just done something else with it. I didn't, but that's passive income. And that's the income that I didn't have to do anything to earn other than buy Home Depot when it was $45 a share. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and so I want to kind of talk a little bit more about passive income as well, because I know for me, the only form of passive income I currently have available, I, as I illustrated before we started actually recording the show was that we, you know, I write and illustrate children's books. And so I sell those on Amazon and, uh, you know, much to the chagrin of my mother, you know, I'm not rich off of that. She keeps saying <laughs> I should be like Stephen King at some point. I'm like, well, yeah, Stephen King doesn't write children's right, books, mom. Right. And that's not the way that works. Like, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be the next Tony Morrison or the next, you know, but I keep putting stuff out there because at some point you never know. And, and you know, that's the beautiful thing about it. And I enjoy illustrating. I enjoy the writing process. So I don't feel like I'm working when I'm doing it. You know, I know there's work involved, you know, because right. there is, because, you know, in addition to that, I work my 40 hour week job and then come home, and then I spend another couple of hours a night probably right. either writing stuff that or illustrating stuff. Is a form of so, passive income, you know. But like it's, the stock that, market is totally passive because when I bought people, I didn't do anything else. That's passive income for you because yeah. once you do the book, you don't have to do anything else. It just kind of sells, and so yeah, it's selling on Amazon while you're sleeping. Um, Right. Most of us don't have a writing talent, let alone an illustration talent. That's probably just as rare, if not rarer. Um, and so we probably can't do that, you know. And so what one my nephew owed over is me saying, look, you know, if you buy some stocks and you pick the right ones and they do well, then you have a situation where, you know, when you want to start that studio one day, you have the money to be able to do it. And so in your case, you know, writing the children's books definitely is passive income, mm -hmm. not totally passive because you got to do something, but you can sell books while you're sleeping. So it is, uh, you know, somewhat passive income, but stock market for those of us who don't have your talent is totally passive. And so when they pick the right stocks. That's kind of what the course is aimed at. Um, you know, picking, you know, we're not like trying to be um, geniuses out here. And one thing Buffett says, and I quote him often, because again, he's like the most famous investor of our time. You know, he says like, look, you know, you don't have to have somebody who has a regular IQ and somebody has a genius level IQ can both make money in the stock market. You don't have to be a genius to make money in the stock market. And so that's one of the things we want to go into in the course to show you how to pick, you know, good, good companies. Like I, for example, put, um, I, um, I put, bought the stock of a medical marijuana company, not my finest moment, not because it was medical marijuana, but the stock just didn't do well. And, um, you know, I, when I'm start doing the stock, I don't put any more into it than I'm prepared to lose, you know, and as the company reports its earnings and I see how it's, it's doing, then I may get out of it if I'm not happy. This will just tanked when vaping, you know, when the problems happen mm -hmm. with vaping and kids getting sick, et cetera, didn't have 
anything to do with them, but it just didn't do well. And I probably should mm. have sold it because another thing Buffett says is don't lose money. You know, try not to lose money. So when it when I first when the vaping stuff first started happening, I should have sold it then. But that was an example where I was kind of out over my skis, as they say, and I probably was involved in something that I didn't really understand that well. You know, and um, I probably shouldn't have gotten involved in that stock and I mm -hmm. probably should have sold it earlier than I did. Um, but again, you know, one of the things we want to teach in the course is about how to pick things that allow you to sleep at night. And look, if you're somebody who's involved in the medical marijuana industry and you know it well and you know it well enough that you know who the, the players are and that kind of stuff, then great. But, you know, I wasn't and I just, I, you know, probably shouldn't have been involved in it. I'm still sitting here looking at L.A. gear because that's kind of like my son in Lululemon. You know what I mean? Likes the clothes and whatnot. And so that's why I bought it for him. <laughs> he has one whole share. So if it doesn't do well, you know, it's like no big deal. I think it was like $200 a share or something like that. Um, but again, that's another thing to take the fear out of it. Um, I would say, you know, probably steer away for any, from anything trendy, although I did buy Lululemon for him. But also don't buy all at one time, you know, so little bit every month and like i said with the mobile trading apps you can buy right. a few shares and you can buy one share at a time you can buy a fraction of a share i don't think that's what every stock but the expensive stocks like alibaba and amazon you can buy and so that takes a lot of it out of the fear out of it as well because you're not putting a whole lot of money on the line Mm -hmm. I know. Uh, I know you mentioned what you mentioned the children that you have there, and one older and one much yeah. younger. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Craig of the Creek on Nickel on uh, on uh, Nickelodeon. I believe it's Nickelodeon. And uh, but there's, it's a very interesting show. It's a very beautiful show about a black family. You know, Craig is the main character. He mm -hmm. got his creek behind their house, and him and his friends all hang out there. It's pretty much that show. But uh, one of the things, this moment, his sister is, he has a younger sister who's very savvy in the stock market for a six-year-old. And so at one point, the first episode you see, she comes out, she's like, you need to diversify your funds, Craig. <laughs> Just out of the blue. And so apparently one of her big things is that when she goes home, she does her homework while watching the economy, the, the, the stock shows and the markets and all this stuff. And so, you know, her parents, it's like that's they all funny. have their little things that they crazy. geek out about. That's, that's her thing, is stocks. Because this is not, you know, and she's sure. right. I mean, most of us, look, a mutual fund gives you or ET exchange trade fund gives you that diversity because they that's what they do full time. You pay them a little bit of a fee and we have a video on fees mm -hmm. and how you want to minimize the fees. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they charge you the average mutual fund fee is one and a half percent a year of your money. So it's not a lot. Um, you know, one and a half percent. Some of them or less than one percent but that's you're paying them to pick the stocks and they might have you know 50 or 100 stocks in that mutual fund and they watch all of them if you buy your own stocks then you know you can't follow or buy a hundred different stocks or 50 different stocks uh, and you don't want to follow and be responsible for that but you can buy a handful and diversity is important you know you probably don't you know Warren Buffett again I keep quoting him but again he is the most famous investor of our time and the most 
successful investor of our time. Um, you know, he doesn't believe in diversity, mm-hmm. but again, he does this full time and that's all he does. So he can afford to put all his eggs in one basket. For most of us, we want to either be in a mutual fund or an ETF, letting somebody else pick the stocks, or we want to have a couple of different stocks, you know, if we're trying to do this on our own to generate passive income. You know, we may not want to be in Coke and Pepsi, GM and Ford and Tesla, you know, because whatever happens to the auto industry might hit all three of them, but you might be in one of them and then, you know, Pepsi, but not Coke, you know, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. That that makes sense. I mean, you know, and, and it's and it's funny because I I never imagined, you know, a year ago I never would have imagined even having a podcast, much less talking to people who deal with finances and things like that. But like I said, I want to be able to give people the education that they need to make some decisions. Besides just okay, hey, we're in the geek stuff, yay, and that's all good. Yeah. But we, you know, people have to survive beyond just the things they like. And so it's trying to find ways of finding people out there who have skill sets that they know and they've mastered in their own right that they can share and they're willing to share. So I thank you for allowing me to interview you uh, concerning all this. So, uh, Ms. Lombard, just real quick, uh, what are, and I know you mentioned and you'll mention it again, I'm sure, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, you'll mention Millie Money on that and that's fine yes, so, uh, so where Facebook can we find you in the land of the social media instagram is millie underscore money m-i-l-l-e so it's the first five letters of millennial so m-i-l-l-e underscore money on both instagram and on facebook and then um i i'm also on twitter and linkedin as myself shelly lombard um and so you can follow me there i you know post some of the same stuff not everything that i put on instagram and facebook on the millie money site do i put on my personal stuff but you're certainly welcome to to follow me there mm-hmm. okay all right. Well, listen, uh, Ms. Lombard, thank you so much for being willing to come on the conversations about dot, 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 and have a conversation with me about finances and about uh, stocks and, and concerns and investing and also, more importantly, about how to set up uh, passive income for yourself that, you know, one day we're not, you know, we're not the 90-year-old yeah. lady working at Walmart standing there, you know, nothing against them. But, you know, standing in line, you know, sitting there because exactly. they, there's, exactly. there's no yeah, choice yeah, but to continue working you past your point. you want to be a comedian and work till you're 80 years old because you love it that much, that's one thing. And I love what I do. So I probably will be doing this at least till I'm 70, maybe a little bit more. But, um, you know, it's another thing to have to do it. And so that's what we kind of want to prevent. And, you know, as we say... Um, mm-hmm. what we have two things that we say on the site one is you got to be your own money hero because nobody's doing it for you these days and the other thing is an investor looks like you so a lot of our ads and stuff that we do we have people of different races different genders you know you are an investor and so what we want to let people know that this is not for other people a lot of people think you know one of our ads says that you know investing in the stock market isn't just for 60 year old white guys it's not you know what I mean it's for anybody who wants to do it and so that's the other thing that we're trying to do is let people know that this is for them right. not just for other people it's for them okay. all right well that's really beautiful and I appreciate you letting people know that and I'm definitely going to be checking out Millie Money myself and 
uh, once you get that, I'll be signing up because once that course comes out, I do want to take it. I do want to learn more about how to be, how to invest my money better so that I could, right, so as exactly. my pastor would say, exactly. to learn how to make my money, make money. So I thank you again. And uh, above all else, guys, I appreciate you guys rocking out with us here on the conversation. Join in the conversation. Of course, the Facebook group is still a thing. Conversations about dot, 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 podcast, uh, group fan group page get in there we're going to talk about it because i'm going to be posting this stuff up and we're going to be talking about different ways uh what you know about finances what you know about investing in different things like that so that you can get involved in the conversation so as always guys do me a favor be blessed be a blessing to somebody take care